You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To learn more, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Duman, OBCA Vice President and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Gary Hall, Boys Basketball Coach and Athletic Director at Western Christian School. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, thank you, Coach, for, for spending time with us. I uh, really appreciate you doing that. Uh, Coach, for those that might not be familiar with you, uh, can you give us a little bit about your basketball and coaching background, where it started, how you got into it, and how you ended up as the head coach and AD at Western Christian? You bet. No, uh, graduated from Montreal in 74, and uh, just real quick, played with a, played for a gentleman named Mike Conklin. Now, this is dating me a little bit, but uh, back then, he, uh, the Oregon Ducks uh, assistant coaches were in a guy named Dick Carter was there, Kamikaze Kids. Now, I don't know if you'll even remember that, <laughs> but it, uh, it was a great time because he was a very disciplined uh, type of coach. I learned a great deal from him as a player. So I had him as a freshman and as a junior. And so a lot of my uh, philosophy of just, I call them conky drills. Still, we use some of those within our practices from what I learned from him. And so great deal was learned from just how he played defense, taught us to play defense, uh, and just the intensity and just the preparation for each and every practice to get ready for each and every game. So I really, really enjoyed that. And just to kind of give you an idea, we were able to win the freshman league title. And then the junior JV league titles, juniors, but our sophomore year uh, just gives you a little idea of sometimes with coaching, we went 2-18. and 18. And so it's just amazing what can happen when you have the right guy. And then our senior year, we were picked to be last because of our uh, there was only one returning letterman. Now, this is at the AAA level at that time back then, and we ended up going from last place predicted to second place in the conference. So... There's a great group of guys that really were taught well by, by him, and so I give a lot of kudos to him. He now lives in Idaho, uh, sells real estate with his brother, and uh, we went over there two two years ago and I, to play some basketball in Idaho, and I called him up and he came to a couple games, and it was good for the guys to actually see who this guy was, that he really existed when we do some of these comfy drills. So with that, from, from there, uh, went on as a walk-on. It went to Columbia Christian uh, College and uh, ended up starting as a freshman as a walk-on. They were NAIA level, played there three years, and then transferred to a small college up in uh, Edmonds, Washington. Played my last year there, and that's where I got my taste of coaching. After I graduated that four, fourth year, then I was able to join the coaching staff and coached there one year and then came down and coached at, like I said, Malala, uh, from there, went to Canby, and then from there, went to uh, Western Christian. But I can tell you, I learned a great deal from some of my mentors. Uh, Rick Hassman, who was uh, number one assistant to Nick Robertson, uh, who's good friends with Barry Adams. So some of the the legends, what I call, I got to learn some great, great basketball strategy-wise from uh, especially my mentor, who I call is Rick Hassman, who ended up going from Malala to Tiger. And so, uh, 
so from there, I've just been able to just take a lot of what I've been taught, not only as a player, but uh, as an assistant coach. And then you kind of, as you each year, you just kind of look and say, does this really fit my style? Instead of being one of these coaches where they all got to fit into my thing, I look a lot of times at what we got and decide to sometimes fit it into what we have as far as personnel. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's been, in my opinion, very successful for what we've done. So, uh, so there, yeah, it was great to be able yeah. to college and to take a lot of those those things there, and then to have the chance to go ahead and uh, be a head coach at, at Western Christian for now year thirty five. Yeah, coach. For people that might not be familiar with Western Christian, can you tell us a little bit about about your school, small school? Uh, mm-hmm. and formerly Western Mennonite, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Yeah, Western Mennonite uh, has been around for about 75-plus years. Um, it's uh, just, uh, you know, they, just a couple of years ago is where they changed the name. There was just less and less Mennonite kids, kids that would come all the way from Sweet Home to Harrisburg to Albany to Lebanon to Portland, Um they would. They just wanted their their kids in this uh, Mennonite surrounding for the good Bible teaching and just. Uh, so that's where the foundation of so much of it. And so when I, I'll be honest, when I went into the basketball coaching position, which was, I had no idea. I didn't know, never even heard of the word Mennonite. And uh, mm-hmm. but it was just some real strong parents who really wanted me to apply. I was an assistant at uh, Canby at the time. And so, uh, yeah, and the, from there, it's like I said, last year, I think it was our last three graduates of Mennonite uh, were gone, and we just don't have any more of those kids coming in from the churches from those areas that I was naming off. So yeah. we just decided it was time to change the name, and it's been a good good thing. So, yeah, very, very nice. Yeah, coach. You know, thirty-five years at the same school uh, is is pretty cool. Uh, and, and you've had a lot of success in your time there. Uh, have won two state titles uh, and played in the last three state championship games. What do you attribute to to that success? Uh, for me, it's it's you know I started my little rascals basketball is what I call it uh, way back. Our our daughter's a senior down at the Masters University, and then my son's uh, two years out from our state title team in 2019. But I started with them way back. I, w- I wanted more for for my kids. I, I just didn't want it to be our what we provided at Western, which was maybe eight to ten games. And you know, at that level, it's hard to find coaches who can come in and teach what I would call solid fundamentals. And so. So I wanted to do more for my kids, and that's where that came from. And so it really started with my daughter's team way back then, and uh, it started with uh, some of the girls from West Salem. Basically, there were kids that were girls that were on my daughter's travel team for soccer, and then I got a call from some of the parents that said the two coaches that normally coached that team for the basketball decided to not do it again. And so they called me if I'd be interested in well, let's give it a try. They bring them out to the gym, and uh, 
So there were fifth graders, and there was about 11 girls, and I tell you, it was a blast. Um, as my wife says, she was in the gym. Balls were flying everywhere as we're working on two balls. <laughs> different, and she's just going, oh, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, man, this is the fun part is to see where they're at right now, to see where they're going to be. And uh, so those four years were really pretty special. They were really a lot of fun. And then started with my son's team, too. And so so there's a two-year difference between those two. And so let's just say she was a seventh grader. Then I started my son's team as a fifth grader. And our practices sometimes in the evenings were some of what I call the best practices, maybe even better than most games that they played. When we had the guys versus the girls, we'd call it our pioneer drill at the end of the end of the practice, which was the last 30 minutes, and it was just a three-on-two continuous. And I tell you, it was competitive, and uh, it was great stuff. So uh, that's where that foundation started, and it's continued to this day. And uh, it's just been a real uh, important part of our program. And fundamentally, I'm, I'm a real stickler on that. I just uh, really believe so much that the kids, you know, you always hear the word, man, my son or daughter just lacks confidence. And I'm going, and to me, that's that's lack of fundamentals. <clears throat> it's, it's just, you know, they all want to impress and do well when they're around each other. But I always look at there's some things that I test the kids with uh, some of the drills we do just to see where they're at with their footwork. And uh, just some of the things that they've been taught, especially also in the art of shooting. So uh, anyway, I'll just say that that our, our what's really been our staple is our, our little rascals basketball. That's been uh, where I coach it myself. I, I have done it all these years. I'm out there. If you ask any of the coaches over the many years, they know that I'm out there coaching those teams on those Saturdays and uh, and Sundays. So anyway, that's where where. Started and we're just proud to keep it going. Yeah, well, and that's something too. I think that that's pretty special that you're doing with Western Christian because you know it, you guys are a two A school, and so you probably don't have like a consistent feeder program like I do at West Albany, right? Like you don't have that, so you are yeah. creating it yourself, right? Correct. Yeah, a lot yeah. of things uh, like we we've started our second year of kindergarten through fifth grade but up till two years ago it was always just sixth grade on up and really it was at one point it was just seventh grade on up and so yeah true you know trying to convince the families to join our travel team and the reasons why it would be important if they really enjoyed basketball and and they see the rich history of what we've been able to do and you know, going 15 straight seasons to the state tournament was was special. And then last year we got to play in the Nike, and I thought we did well. I thought we held our own. We were rolling three, of course, but but we competed against Tigard at the – they were 6A, and they were number one ranked team, and we ended up losing by four or five and uh, played against Sandy High School, a very talented team. And then we ended up playing De La Salle, who's just been a 3A power, and lost to them, I think, in overtime. Um, but – it, it's just been great to take a, a small school like this and to bring it to a level of where it's, uh, I think it's fairly well respected. And I just think they're great kids. The families are, are awesome. They really buy into it. And it's real important, too. It's not just about basketball. It's just also about being great sports, win or lose, how to be a great teammate. And, uh, you know, and, and these are hopefully going to be some of their lifelong friends, and, and that's important too. 
So I'm yeah. a real big, uh, big team guy, and that started way back in high school. Enjoyed it when I was in college, and now we've tried to carry that tradition into what I do as a coach. Yeah. So can you talk about, you know, one of the things that, that's really hard to do uh, is win consistently. And so you talked about, you know, your little rascals program, but how do you help manage those expectations and kind of avoid the, I don't want to call it laziness, but, you know, sometimes when you're part of a program that wins all the time, you just expect to win, mm-hmm. right? So how do you how do you kind of fight that and make sure that kids are still buying in and doing what they need to do to maintain that success? Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot. It's it's about leadership. Um, they know how excited I get with with practices, and if you come to my practices, you're going to see a lot of high energy. Um, I'm real big on going from drill to drill with a uh, being sharp. Sometimes, you know, some people will go into a drill and they might spend 15, 20 minutes. I'm more of around a seven to eight minutes, and we move on to the next next drill. But a lot of times you're going to see a lot of energy, and I just think uh, I I talk a lot. I'm encouraging a lot. I'm supportive a lot of uh, just to the kids, trying to correct them with their footwork, trying to correct them with their shot, um, and just different things that are part of the game that I see that, uh, you know, we, we call about keeping the ball out of the box right below the chin and just how a lot of bad things can happen and keeping that ball at a higher level from shoulder to shoulder, um, just little things like that. And I know you know that as a basketball coach, but I've just mm-hmm. seen that being trying to give them the tools to be able to be as successful as they can, and that's where that confidence. And so um, I'm, I'm not really harping on them, but I, but I am uh, particular about how they are to be for each and every practice. We don't go two hours. We keep it around 75 minutes. Uh, I don't want to beat them to death. They've been with me since uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. They run the same drills all those years. And so it's about keep being sharp. And I tell them at the very start when we get together, hey, if it's 30 minutes today or if it's 45, I want great energy. You know that. And uh, so a lot of it's by what I do as a leader. So I think it's, it's huge in that way. And the expectations, I think those those things uh, are, are great. We, we would love to try to be at the top of our league. We'd love to try to get back to that state tournament each year. We want to always try to be playing that play-in game at home, which we have every year that I we've gotten to the postseason. So it's an important. So those are the goals that I try to set for them and why uh, those things are so important. So we talk about that and share about that. Uh, it's better to be – Playing at home than, than traveling to the east side, you know, or down to the coast, or you know what I'm saying. So uh, yeah, uh, so it just depends. So it's paid off really well. Uh, Coach, you mentioned a little bit. You got to play in the the Les Schwab, uh, the eight, if I remember correctly. Uh, how did you kind of prepare your team to play teams like Tiger and Sandy and De La Salle? I would imagine, you know, as a uh, you know, you guys are a little smaller, maybe intimidated. I don't know. Like, how did you kind of prepare your kids uh, to just go out and play and, and have a good time? Uh, you know, the biggest thing is, I, I always say, is these these are rare moments. These are opportunities that you're never going to forget. And so how do you want to remember it when you think back about the opportunities of playing in these uh, special moments of the Les Schwab or a chance to be in the state title game. Um, you know, those are, those are the things 
that I always try to impress on them that we can play with these kids. Yeah, they might be a little bit taller. They might be a little bit stronger. But you guys know that if you play with we always say play your, play your hardest. Uh, good things will happen to those that really sell out, give their best. And, uh, you know, and, and you, I think you'll just feel great about your performance, win or lose, uh, if you give your, your best. And uh, it's about all you can ask for them. And I, I still remember in the Tiger game, they had a really star player. I can't remember his name now, but he just got hot there, hit about three threes. Next thing I know, we're down about 19, and then we went, you know, and it was one of those crossroads. Hey, you know, it's kind of like uh, Hoosiers where, do you, hey, do you guys think you belong here, you know? And, and and we do. And I just remember we went back to our traditional re- Reggie run and jump, and we creeped back into it. We got within three points with about a minute and a half left. And uh, I was just proud of the kids. You know, and a lot of my mentors were there. It was fun to see Rick Hassman there, and some of the guys were the legends that I looked up to. So it was really fun to see the kids. Uh, I thought for for going about seven deep, eight deep to play three games of that caliber, uh, they were tired young men. I'll just tell you that by the end of the three. <laughs> so, but I can tell you they they really gave it their best, and it was just fun. Couldn't be prouder of them. So it was, it was a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think the kid you're thinking of coach is Drew Carter and I'm pretty sure he's gonna go play division one football and basketball at the University of Colorado. So okay, I don't wow. think you were the I don't think you were the only team that he did that to. I just want you to know. I think that a, lo- a lot of teams got to see that. Nice kid too. I we went yeah. and watched him play South Salem when they came and I somehow was right in the hall and uh, I think it was getting the popcorn here. He came out of the locker room and goes, hey, coach, you know, and he, I'm going, whoa, this guy remembers. Like, you know, we just played him a week ago. And right. He goes, but I'm like, hey, your kids played really well. Hey, thank you. You know, I'll tell him that. But it was just big of him. It's really, really a humble, humble thing to see somebody of his caliber. But I heard he was quite a football player. Uh, to know he's yeah. doing both, that's really impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is impressive. Uh, Coach, you talked about, you know, practice being only 75 minutes. Uh, can you kind of talk about what that, what does that breakdown look like? Because I feel like sometimes as coaches we think, gosh, I had to get so much in. You know, I need a full two. Some people need a two and a half. You know, how do you kind of break that down to feel like, hey, we only went 75 minutes, but my guys are still ready to play? Yeah, I mean, the first, uh, you know, again, you, you have one of the questions here about, analytics and statistics and one of the things we we have in our gym and i'm always going to look for something to better our kids um I, you know i always say to everybody I, I look like a short stocky wrestler but you know I, I really conklin my freshman year in high school was a tremendous shooting coach and so so i i was really fortunate to be able to have him back then so one of the things we do in our first 15 20 minutes is we have the noalytics and we have it in our gym. We have two of them at both ends. And we spend about 15 to 20 minutes, the very first start of practice, uh, working on shooting off different things that we do within our offense. And, you know, I, I can sit there or stand there and just say, hey, you know, you're thumbing a little bit. Hey, you're floating a little bit. Hey, you're, you know, I can just correct some of the mechanics while these kids, and yet the kids here, what their arc angle is or what the depth of their shot is or whatever it might be. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the analytics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Okay. 
And I, and I love it. I love that I've got another voice telling them on every shot because I might say, hey, you know, your shot's a little flat. You might want to lift it, even though they know I can shoot pretty good. But they're just looking at it. Did it go in or did it not? And so right. for me, you know, those first 15 to 20 minutes are really important to brand that muscle memory. And then from there, we'll go into a couple of other drills. Uh, that we do, and then we might be able to go over some of our defense, some of our Reggie full court press. We run a drill, uh, which is our pioneer drill, which is our three-on-two continuous, but it helps solidify what we want to do in our Reggie, our run and jump. Uh, great rotation, how to double the ball, um, and so it's just a great drill. It's one of the favorite drills for the kids, and mm-hmm. so we might do that for oh, 15 minutes, and then um, – you know, we'll break down depending on who we're going to be playing here, maybe in you know, a few days. So we'll start preparing strategically what we're going to do to them defensively, what we want to make sure that we do a great job of what we do defensively and how to stop a couple of their star players. But uh, the biggest thing is uh, it's high energy. I want the kids well schooled on exactly um, what we're going to be doing with the opponent, but also just from a fundamental side. And then we always close out the last 10, 15 minutes with what's called our duck drill, which is just one of those things that really helps uh, eliminate what I call unforced turnovers. And so it's been a real positive uh, drill for us. Uh, little rascals enjoy it. Our big guys do. And I, I can tell you, we don't have a lot, a lot of turnovers within our, level of, of play, which is, I, I give a lot of credit to that drill. So uh, anyway, that's kind of, kind of it, you know, it's, yeah. there's other things that we'll, we'll put in there as we go, depending on who we're playing or what I feel like we can do a little bit better job offensively or defensively. And um, so we'll just kind of see as that goes, but yeah, uh, want it to be, like I said, a high energy, uh, short, short practice, but yeah, we want to get the things done. And we want to make sure that they're engaged and so we can get out of there, feel good about what we accomplished for that day to get ready for our next day. Yeah. Coach, I think the coaches would not be happy if I didn't ask you what duck drill was, because I think we're all trying to limit our turnovers. So can you can you walk me through what, what duck drill is? Yeah, you bet. What we'll do is we'll put, you know, I've had other coaches at the state tournament come up to me and say, you know, man, our duck drill is what we do in our pregame warm-up. And so I've had coaches will say, man, I just exactly mimic what you do, you know, and it's just been such a benefit. So, you know, there'll be six passers on one side, and then you got six guys in the line. So what we start off with is with a V-cut. Guy catches the ball from the, the passer, and then he'll plant with his right, say he's from the right side, plant right, swing left. We have a little shot fake. And then from there, they go in for a layup. So they'll each do two of those. And so we're working on solid footwork. Some people will work on the two-foot jump uh, or hop. You know, they'll teach that more at the college. But I want my kids to be rock solid at a plant right, swing left, or a plant left, swing right. Barry Adams was real big on that. And so uh, so that way we have, for sure, the zebra knows exactly which one's our pivot foot. And so I want to make sure on that. And then... After that, twice, we'll go ahead and we'll do a two-foot stop crossover. So I really want them fundamentally rock solid at uh, what I call giving them options. 
and then we'll do a, a two-foot stop reverse spin and really protecting the ball from shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder high. So a lot of times once they bring that ball off the floor from dribbling, they need to be able to bring it right immediately to the shoulder height so that they're protecting it and keeping it out of the box. Um, so again, two-foot stop crossover, two-foot stop spin, and then we do what's called on our fourth option, we do what's called the double counter. So uh, on the fourth one, they'll come down, knee cut, plant right, swing left, two-foot stop, and they'll do a reverse spin, come back, and then they'll do the crossover, which is giving them two options, if you know what I mean by that. So mm -hmm. it's just yep. kind, of, kind of a post-move option there. And so it's just giving the kids a great opportunity to be what I call hard to guard. And so you have always options. And um, so it's been a great staple for us. And then we'll even put another one in for practice. We don't do it for pregame where uh, that same guy would go down and he would run a post flash, catch the ball, and he would jab left, fake, and then he would do it out of a post move instead of off a dribble, if you know what I mean. So they can play with their back to the basket as well as they can play out in space. Our kids, I don't label them as, okay, you're a post, you're going to be a five for the rest of your fifth grade on. Nope, we're going to go ahead and we're going to teach everybody to be equally good, uh, whether you're a big or a little. You're going to be able to play in space and you're going to be able to go down and be able to post up and take a guy one-on-one -on -one down there. And so it's always been one of our my strengths is to make sure that uh, – they just don't feel like that there's ever a chance for them to get out of this label, maybe. Some coaches put on mm -hmm. other kids. So right. uh, I just really want them to make sure that I'm always watching and making sure that you guys can get better. But the biggest thing is that you're going to be able to play with your back to the basket and back from out in space. So it's been a great drill for us. And, uh, you know, at some time I can go over that with you, Derek, but it's a yeah. Uh, a great drill for our little guys, and the guys love it. And then all of a sudden, when I bring the pads out, ooh, that's where it really gets fun. <laughs> so, no uh, kidding. Yeah, the kids love that I like part. it. They love yeah. that part. So, uh, I like, so I like two, Yeah, I like to coach that you do at the end of practice, right? Because then it becomes also a focus, right? You have to, the kids have to focus, and like you're talking about not turning the ball over, right? Where they're probably tired at the end of practice. But, like, we're yeah. going to do this right, and we're going to execute, and we're going to take care of the ball. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's a that's a cool way to, to end in the practice. Well, it is because I remember as a player, you're going, okay, I wonder how many killers we're going to run today. You know, yeah. okay, I kind of save myself here. Okay, I, like I did, you know. I mean, kids are starting to kind of uh, tone down a little bit or saving up for the the running at the end, and, and I've told our kids, we don't do a lot of killers. We don't do a lot of side-to-side -side running. I really believe that they play their tails off and work hard in the practices that we do and the drills that we provide, that that can be their conditioning. If I think they need a little bit more, then we'll do it, but we don't spend a lot of time with our conditioning during my practice time. That can be done through the drills that we do, and the kids really yeah. buy into it. They know that. They're encouraging each other to, hey, come on, you can give more. Um, so it's been a good thing. And if not, then, hey, then we'll go ahead and run a killer. And then they find out, well, maybe I could go harder in those drills. <laughs> right. And sit on those. So I, I think it's pretty good. So that's why we usually end up with some kind of a fun drill at the end. Sometimes even at practice, we'll just 
stop practice and play a dodgeball game, you know, and mm-hmm. some fans will have fun and do a, what's called a mat ball game. They love that. Uh, divide, divide the teams up, play a little mat ball. But, uh, yeah, there's just different things you can do to keep them engaged uh, at the end of practice instead of just a dreaded running at the end of practice. So, anyway, it's right. been good and positive, yeah. you know, positive thing for us. Coach, you talked about, you know, your NOAA analytics and, and talked about shot trajectory and, and helps give feedback for the kids. I'm curious, are there any specific statistics or analytics that you use uh, to kind of determine how well your team's playing? Are there anything you keep during the games that you like to look at? Uh, anything like that? Uh, you know, I, I've tried a number of things. Um, Coach Miles down at OIT had a great statistic uh, that he had, and I tried it one year, and it just didn't go well. Um mm-hmm. You know, there, there's different things that I think that might work or maybe it could. But, you know, my biggest thing that I've learned as a player is is kids just want to know that they really are doing well for from the coach, if you know what I mean. I, I still remember mm-hmm. when Tyler's coach might say something like, hey, you know, hey, coach, we didn't need – or Gary, you didn't need to shoot that shot late in the game or whatever, or, or whatever it might be. Um, I my my thing is to try to be really careful because trying to build that confidence back up is uh, is huge. So so I've tried a number of things, but what we really try to do is is this uh, through the analytics. You know, kids will get a chance for maybe a minute or two to shoot, try to make a certain amount of shots from say the three point range, and if I feel like that they qualify for that, or then meet that standard, then they can go ahead and have the green light to shoot the three. If, uh, you know, I, I heard Eddie Townsend talk a little bit about our, our shooting and uh, when you interviewed him, and, and, it, and it is right. You know, we, we've been blessed with some good shooters, but I believe so much of that has to do with kids really wanting to be coached uh, the right way on some of the mechanics. And then when we brought in the noalytics, it's really elevated our shooting even a little bit more, which has been fun. So it takes the pressure off me. They already know I can shoot pretty good, but they don't want to compete against me. They don't want to, <laughs> and I, if you know what I mean. And uh, mm-hmm. so do the do the analytics, and um, my name's on the readerboard usually at the top, and and so <laughs> so it's fun. So those bottom kids can't wait. Hey, coach, when are we going to do this again so I can get off the bottom? And uh, yeah, but it but it's uh it's just been a I think a real positive thing to try to keep it as positive with the kids, and yet if we do do anything, it'll just be with a one to two minute shooting from, like I said, wherever they feel like if they really want to be a three point shooter, then you got to maybe be at six out of ten, or you know, fourteen out of twenty from from this range. So, uh, but yeah, I do have confidence with those guys. They'll hear me say, "Hit it," you know. And you from you can listen to any of the games I'm at. Uh, I don't care if it's Little Rascals or the bigger. If there's some guys that if they're in position to shoot the ball and I feel like that they have that green light, man, they're going to hear me say, let it fly. And uh, totally. it's, a fun totally. thing. it's a fun thing when you know the coach is saying that instead of grimacing over somebody through the shot that you wish. And those are going to happen. I mean, there's going to be some you, you wish, but the biggest thing is to make sure that you keep that confidence with these kids. And uh, yeah. and, and I know you know what I mean by that. You know, it's it's huge. It's such a mental thing. 
for the kids. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll return with more from Coach Hull right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. The start of school means it's time to sign up or renew your Oregon Basketball Coaches Association membership. OBCA membership includes access to exclusive resources that help personalize instruction, understand players' mindsets, and maximize the impact of your practices. Members also receive access to the OBCA mentoring program and have a voice in improving the game at the state level. Membership starts at just $15 a year. Register online today at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here with Coach Gary Holt. Uh, Coach, I want to talk about your longevity in the profession. It's something that um, is seems to be rarer and rarer. Uh, coaches getting burnt out, leaving the profession. Uh, you know, you've been in it a long time at Western Christian now for 35 years. But what do you attribute your longevity in coaching uh, to? Well, I think a lot of it, I mean, there's been opportunities to leave. I mean, there there was two or three college jobs that could have possibly happened and and uh on and on and and my biggest thing for me is that uh, when I when I first came here, uh we were not very good. I was told by many 2A coaches that if you needed a sure win, you called Western Mennonite. And if you needed two sure wins, you would have them home and away. And so, so I remember as an AD going into that scheduling meeting for the AD uh, over at Spirit Mountain. And I re- just remember I had to. You wouldn't believe how hard I had to work as an AD to convince schools to play us. I mean, mm-hmm. if they were in the middle of the pack or going to be pretty strong. And, um, and so that first year, after we went five and fourteen, we played about sixty some games that summer, and we ended up going all the way to the state tournament playing uh, then at that time North Douglas, who was the defending state champs, and lost to him by eight or ten. And so we ended up taking fifth, but what a great accomplishment from five and 14 to, you know, almost getting to that state final. But uh, so, yeah, I just think um, for me, I really wanted to see if I could build a program, see if it could really be done and try to get this program to a level of, because uh, I really wanted to coach college. I was thinking three or four years and then move on. But, uh, you know, it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, met my wife here. It's been great. Had two children and uh, the chance to watch her, our daughter, play in Madison and to help coach her senior year and then also coach my son all the way up to uh, his senior year. It was just uh, can't ask for a better thing as a father. So it was pretty special. And then to win that state title his senior year was pretty special. So, yeah, those things, you know, you just can't get those memories, those things back of what you miss with your children. So uh, it's been pretty, pretty cool. But, yeah, I would just say the longevity of it is uh, it's it's got to be fun. But I probably, probably the biggest thing is I read an article talking about why are the dinosaur coaches getting out, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I just learned that if you don't adjust and change with the way the players are so much better than just in the last 15, 20 years, 
the resources these kids have and the opportunities that they have compared to what I had, or maybe yourself, I don't know, Derek, mm-hmm. it's yep. amazing how much they are so much better and so much more gifted. And uh, so it, it's just, I had to learn to adjust. I had to learn to release a little bit of control uh, from the way that I was in my first 10 to 12, 15 years of of the style we ran uh, compared to if I was not going to adjust to what that article said, then I probably would be burned out too or asked to leave. (laughs) So it was a great article. can't remember the name of it, but it was a lady coach, college coach that talked about that. It was one of the best articles I've ever, ever read. And it just really hit home for me. Yeah. Coach, can you talk about, you know, the experience of getting to coach your son? I mean, I, I know it was probably a really special thing. And, uh, you know, there's other high school coaches that will get that chance. But it's also a fine line you have to walk a little bit too, right, of being dad and, and being coach. So can you kind of share that experience and, and what you learned from getting to coach your son? You bet. No, it, it was great. You know, uh, there's always that, you know, you watch other dads and, and the coaches that, that coach their kids and you know you're always thinking oh I don't don't want to be too hard but yet I, I don't want to favor him I don't want to uh, be soft but you know part of it is I just told him I say hey, look you know when we're in practice it's not father son I love you I care for you but I've got to treat you just the same as I do with everyone else and I might even be sometimes a little tougher too but uh and so it's gone well. Every year I'd ask him, hey, are you still okay with me coaching you? Yeah, Dad, I don't want anybody else, you know. And and uh, so it, it was just really good. Uh, he was a great student of the game, my daughter and him. I remember us starting them out here on the sidewalk, just in our little patio outside, working through ball dribbling and on and on. But the greatest thing is just building that foundation early and them seeing that, you know, Dad does know a few things. Um, sometimes they get in that age where maybe they kind of don't think you know too much, but they've seen the, the success we've had and and the kids, you know, there's always kids that are down the road. They're always saying, man, coach, you're going to be here when I'm here and uh, on and on. So it's just been a real blessing to be able to have the chance to coach him, to win that state title, to, to beat the team that we beat after we lost him in the state finals by four, which was Columbia Christian, especially a team that nobody in the state really thought anybody could beat. And um, so it was a great, great game, uh, great win over a great team. But uh, that night was, was a, definitely a Western night. And to have that with him, because he fouled out uh, his junior year in the state final game was seven minutes ago. And I believe if he would have stayed in the game, I believe he would we would have won that game as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's crazy. Then you see a kid like Ben Gregg who leaves after we played him when he was a sophomore junior, and here he is now playing on Gonzaga. So <laughs> those memories are special. You know, those are great. Yeah. So very thankful. Did uh, did your son's mom, your wife, was she upset that he was in the game with four fouls with seven minutes left, Coach? Did she give you a hard time about that? or? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know, he, yeah, we've, we've had some, it's one of those uh, things we do talk about, just saying, he doesn't like to talk about that one too much, but, yeah, my wife was really wanting him to keep hands out of the cookie jar, he just yeah. kept, kept doing 
on that bad night. It was a frustrating. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Things happen. I hear you. Totally. Live and learn. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Coach, can you share a little bit of advice or even, you know, a story or two or things that you do in dealing with parents? You know, it's mm-hmm. something that I think a lot of us uh, try to be good at, but it seems like there's always something. Um, any any tips or tricks that you can offer in, in dealing with, with parents? Yeah. Well, just because I'm at a private school doesn't mean every, every year has been rosy. You know, there's, there's always <laughs> parents that uh, – come in and they, they feel like their their son is pretty special or um, but you know my philosophy has always been this no player will ever be more important than the team the team is first uh, there's kids that I have not allowed to come out we, we don't have we have a no cut policy so mm-hmm. I know we're a small school but I just remember the years of being you know, Malala and Camby and just it's it's tough when a kid gets cut. It's just a hard yeah. thing. And so I started that way back then, and I just said, we'll just make three teams, and it's worked out really well. The kids may not like the team they're on. They may think they're better than that, but that's just – I said, well, then you got three and a half months to prove it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, this is where I see it, and so that's where some of those things – so my biggest thing is that I just will never – I know they're good athletes, some of these kids, but that doesn't mean they're more important than what the team concept, and that is what I've always stuck to. It uh, doesn't mean every parent buys into it or every kid likes it, but for the most part, it's worked well for us. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of coaches get out, a lot of coaches that have gotten run out. Uh, I think it's been unfair to a number of my friends that have coached, but the hardest thing is, is the parent factor. And being being firm, you know, I I have straight talks with uh, the parents of where I see their son to be, and I think it's real important at the start of the year to set that tone for for each kid. And and I don't do it as I I used to do it individually, but now I've found that it's better to do it as a group so that they all hear what each kid's role is so that they're not guessing or wondering. And then if they don't like it, I mean, you know, hey, you don't have to play. And uh, mm-hmm. so I would just say that majority of them do want to play. But I'm, I'm stating first it hasn't always been rosy. There hasn't always right. been uh, everybody that's bought into it. So there's been some tough tough years, a couple years where it's been really tough. But we've been successful in the team concept, and it's proven that, but, been tough with some parents, you know, as, as far as they'd love to see me move on or step down. Right. So, yeah. But it, but it hasn't happened. Got too much support. <laughs> right. Any Anything that you've tried to do with parents that maybe just failed miserably that would be good for people to know not to try? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's, there's probably some that I would say that I spent more time my emails and having meetings with that I thought, you know, might be thinking somehow I could get it to work out. And it just got worse. You know, I I just find that being strong and firm at the start, it's kind of like a teacher uh, in your first few years, you just need to be firm and strong and 
stand by what you believe on what's best for the team. You know, if I was a college coach, I'd have more time. I'd have more weeks right. to in, invest in these kids, and we can get to know each other better. But, boy, high school, you got 10 days. You, you got maybe yeah. 10 practices, 12 days to try to put this together. And what you accomplished in the summer, um, that was in the summer. I mean, it, it's good, but you're trying to get ready for um, – especially the schedules that I put together are some of the most loaded schedules that I can get for these kids, and that's what they love about it. They love the idea that they get to play the De La Salle and the St. Am Christians, and you got to say, what, the Les Schwab? Yeah, we're going to go to the Les Schwab. You know, and, and so so it, you don't have time to, uh, oh, I don't know, soften it with each of the parents. You know, this is where they're at. I feel like a lot of times kids have had their chance to try to better themselves in the off season, and many of them don't. They think they are, but they really don't to the level of what I think they need to. So uh, sometimes they really look at it from the hindsight. Um, I think they really see that they didn't put in the work in the early years. And so, anyway, yeah. that's just kind of big. Yeah. Coach, uh, you also serve as, as athletic director, and I'm sure part of your job in that is to help evaluate coaches and, and provide feedback and, you know, help them grow at their craft as well. What are some things that, that you do uh, to help coaches, and, and even as the head coach, what do you do to help your assistants grow in their coaching capacity? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I've had uh, a number of assistants who uh, have really enjoyed uh, being that assistant, but then a lot of times too, I'm good at delegating. I'm, I'm not one of these. Uh, uh, I feel like I got to be in total control of everything. I mean, they they know exactly what I want done, and and, and I trust them enough to to go ahead and uh, run some of the, the drills, some of the practices, put in their thoughts a little bit, but. Uh, if it's off a little bit, I'm not going to embarrass them or try to stop them right there. You know, we might have a little chat afterwards, but but the biggest thing is this is I just don't want them just being there. I want them to somehow be engaged and that the kids see that there is value to having them there. Um, I know that was done for me a little bit when I was under Rick Hassman, and I definitely want to do that with my assistants as well. And so, and then, you know, being an AD, basketball has been very successful. Um, you know, a lot of times wearing two hats, uh, I really want to make sure that my soccer program and coaches feel supported. Same with our new cross-country program that I just met with the coaches a little bit ago. Um, and just really want to see our volleyball program do well. So, I, so I, I'm out there. I'm involved. I'm walking the outside to make sure that, you know, uh, they're keeping their masks up, you know, as they're running around <laughs> doing their cross-country runs, even though it's unpleasant. But um, I just really want to know that, uh, that I am very involved and it's not just a basketball junkie AD. And so, so yeah, it's been good. And I, I really love mentoring them. Uh, so it's been great. I always tell them anytime, like probably Friday, I'll end up driving the cross-country team to the – to their meet, their first meet, because we probably don't have enough bus drivers. So it's things like that, you know. I just want them to know that I'm always going to be there to support them as much as they can. And I, I 
I know that always went well for me when I was a young coach, that I always had mm-hmm. somebody that I could count on and ask questions and uh, instead of feeling like you're all out there on an island a little bit. And uh, you never see the AD at all. So right. uh, unless you mess up, if you know what I mean. So, so yeah, it's been good. Yeah. And I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the, just seeing the kids uh, out there competing. And uh, it's just a great uh, position to be a part of being in the AD and the variety that you get to do with the kids in sports. What advice would you have as you look back on your, you know, 35 plus year career? Uh, if, if you were talking to a young, young coach who's, who's just starting their coaching journey, uh, what advice would you give to them? Well, I, I just remember going to boatloads of clinics, writing down everything I could try to keep up with the speakers. Um, but, but the big thing for me was, uh, you know, there, there was stuff, is that going to fit into what I believe? Is really having a rock-solid uh, philosophy of what you believe as a coach, both what you're going to do as far as uh, how you want your kids to be. I, I, I still have a haircut policy. You know, mm. kids uh, always say, hey, you know, in soccer, hey, you better get, let your hair grow now because when basketball comes, you're going to have to get a cut, man. Oh, no, no, no way. Some of these new kids. You guys don't do that here. Yeah, we do. And, uh, and so for me, it, I always say, well, I'm going to battle you over a haircut, and we got bigger fights ahead, if you know what I'm saying. And right. So, um, so I always say it's just real important to, to just be strong and, again, what you believe as a coach. And I think you have to have the trust to delegate, to uh, listen to other ideas, to not feel like you know it all. And because uh, you're you're going to be dealt the hand that you you have, and I remember those early years, and it. Uh, I just know my first year; it's the biggest picture in my office, and I just always said to myself, I never want to go through another year like this, and we haven't. And uh, and you can still walk in my office; it's still the biggest picture. They're great kids. I keep in touch with one of them a lot, and I've coached all five of his sons, or all four of his sons now. And they've all come through the program. And he's a very dear friend. And some of those kids in that first year have just been a great, great, uh, now their dads and their sons have all come through the program. So, um, so yeah, they can just be really confident, not be too super sensitive when they're shared with some, some thoughts or advice from somebody who's trying to give them a little help. Um, if you know what I mean by that, because sometimes mm-hmm. it's, can be real insecurity and you want to look like you got it all together, but yet the greatest thing you can do is just listen and just soak it in a little bit and decide, is it fit your philosophy or not? If it doesn't, hey, thanks for the advice, but still be confident in what you believe you need to do for you and your program. And uh, so that's worked well for me. It's been a very successful thing. Because I still go to clinics. I still talk to different guys. I still watch some videos. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's there's if I can just get a little nugget out of something, uh, another drill or whatever it might be, that will help our kids. I'm all in. So I think it's, think it's huge. Yeah. Because let's talk about, you know, pandemic. You brought up, you know, cross-country runners and masks. 
Um, how have you kind of navigated with your basketball players, you know, the, the pandemic and, you know, as we look forward to hopefully playing this spring, uh, we're going to have like even shorter time than usual, <laughs> right? To get ready for games. It's going to be like a hybrid summer season. Uh, what, what are you kind of doing to prepare and, and how have you kind of kept in touch with your players and kept them engaged in hoops? Yeah, I mean, we, we still, you know, try to go, uh, once or twice a week with fundamentals. We're allowed to do that. Um, it's important to keep them somewhat engaged and somewhat sharp on their fundamentals, but it's, it is hard to spend that much time with, uh, that alone. And then, um, you know, there's some kids that, that, what they do is they do basketball so they might still be on a on a travel team or uh whatever it might be but you know the biggest thing is being a small school we are we share athletes so there's some kids that are three sports Mm -hmm. three sport athletes and so trying to be really careful that they uh don't burn out or, or whatever i i encourage them i would love to see them all play something and i just don't want them to be a one sport kid but you know some are um but yeah with the pandemic it's going to be interesting when it comes may 10th and it'll be interesting how it all plays out um we're hoping that we will have be able to play league and you know we'll we'll get what 15 games i think Mm. so um it'll be it'll be interesting it's it's really uh a a bummer that there's no state tournament or something Shore, that was probably the biggest thing when I was on that uh, one committee was, you know, for some kids, uh, that's why you see a number of kids graduating early because they aren't sure, weren't sure if it was even going to happen, that they were going to get to play sports. And then for some, what's what's the what's the big nugget? There's no state tournaments or playoffs. Mm-hmm. And what's the incentive, you know, for some sports? We've already been given back the culminating week. So, uh so we can do with it what we want. So, but for me, I'm going to try to make it as positive as I can with the kids. I'm going to try to make it like, hey, this is your senior year, and I, at least from this AD coach, I'm going to make sure we try to give you the best experience that we can of what what we can work with. And uh, so I think it's it's gone pretty good. But I sure hope May 10th nothing changes other than uh, maybe the mask we won't be wearing during games. Right. So. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Think, Fingers crossed. Oh man. I I I mean I think I agree with you. You know I think it's it's one it's a tough one. I know you know we were uh, returned four or five starters and we felt like we were, were poised to have a pretty successful season. So it's been it's been tough to um, you know kind of reset a little bit right and understanding mm-hmm. that you know there might not be a, a state championship to compete for but. You know, it, it's it's more than that. You know, it's a it's a legacy that our seniors are going to try to leave and and um, you know get them a chance to go out and compete and uh, and and have some fun and um, you know make just make the best of it. You know, it's going to be uh, probably lower stress than than most seasons is my hope. <laughs> um, you know, just because it's they're going to be playing three games a week. You know, it's going to be uh, a sprint. So, uh, you know, working on some fundamentals and making sure you've, you've got an offense and a defensive system in and then letting them go have some fun and, um, you know, hopefully just enjoy the experience, but, but also, um, 
compete, right? Which I think is so important. And I I know our guys want it. So, yeah, good, good. Make the best of it. Do that. Yeah. Well said. All right, we're going to take another break. When we return, Coach Hull will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association on social media at facebook.com slash OregonBCA or on Twitter at ORHoopCoaches. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Gary Hull, boys basketball coach and athletic director at Western Christian School. Uh, Coach, for my next set of questions, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. So here's how it works. I'm going to put 35 seconds on a timer, and I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions. Uh, These questions should take one- to two-word answers, uh, and we're going to see how many questions we can get through in our 35 seconds. Okay, let's do it. Sound good? All right. Great. 35 seconds on the timer. We are starting now. Do you think Oregon High School basketball should have a shot clock? Yes. If you're up three points with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? Three points, less than 10. Yes. How big of a lead do you need before you pull off a press? Uh, 20. What's your favorite sports movie? Hoosiers. Do you have a favorite coaching book? Uh, John Wooden. I love reading his stuff. What's one word officials would use to describe you? Intense. Time. That's it. Good work, Coach. Good possession. Good possession there. Great. Thanks. Good. Uh, Coach, you know, I've called the shot clock segment kind of a fun way to to go through some questions. Uh, But I do want to follow up. Uh, Shot clock, obviously, uh, a hot topic, not only in our state, but across the country. Uh, You said you were in favor of a shot clock. Can you elaborate on on why you feel that way? Yeah, I've always been – you know, I just think it's not preparing the kids for the next level. I just think it would be great to see that come in. When we've gone up to Washington and played up there, I've really enjoyed the 30, 35 seconds or whatever they have. Uh, you know, so I was more of a real controlled, deliberate type coach in my first 10, 15 years. And, uh, but boy, it's, uh, it's just the game, the players, is become so, I'm not saying faster, but they're just so much more skilled that it's an entertainment. It's a, it's a great brand of basketball if you can really get that game to where that parents like to see it going up and down that floor. And I'm not saying they're out of control, but I'm just saying that 35-second clock would definitely eliminate stall ball, if you want to call it that. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I just think it'd be great for the kids. How do you go about selecting your team captains? Team captain is really uh, it's done by me. It's by uh, kids that have high character, kids that have done a great job of just putting in the time. And really, I can tell that they're truly our leaders of our of our group of guys for this season. Uh, used to do it where I'd like kind of let the kids do it, and I thought, oh, 
you know, sometimes, or I shouldn't say sometimes, I think it's more of a popularity contest. And so, so it came down to where I wanted to do it. And if there really wasn't, then it, sometimes I would just, uh, that year, I would just maybe, uh, maybe three games in a row, I'd have these three kids, or I might be the seniors, uh, being able to do it. So it wasn't a real, uh, rock solid system, but it was really something that if there's one or two kids that really show that great character, I, I thought that was huge. So those would be our captains. Do you assign any jobs or responsibilities to your captains other than being at the, the pregame meeting? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, biggest thing for me is I, I always say, you know, we say as coaches are – our doors are open. Hey, if you got questions, come on in. And, and there's some captains that have been really great about that. You know, I've had some captains come in throughout the years where they just feel like, you know, Coach Boy, I still remember the one group where they just said, hey, Coach, sometimes you make every team that we play like they're the the best team ever. And, and, and you know, and I, it really caught me off guard a little bit because, you know, sometimes I, I do – uh, build that team up a little bit too much. Uh, and so that helped a lot to get their perspective a little bit of sometimes how I can be a little bit with uh, the opposing team and maybe not putting them on such a high pedestal. Because uh, a lot of them felt such pressure to perform so well. And sometimes those were the schedules I gave them. So uh, anyway, so yeah, yeah it just uh, I just stopped doing that a little bit. But yeah, team captions, communication with your team, and uh, I think those guys, there's some years I've had some great guys that just really didn't have a problem coming in, coming in and sitting down and just sharing how things were going really with the team and uh, our practices, which was nice. Do you have a favorite team bonding activity? Uh, team bonding, uh, we we have what's called a pre-meal, a pre-game meal. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've really bought into that way back probably. It started with a gal named Joan Baker, uh, her son, Scott, and we used to have a spaghetti meal. And so it's gotten every year to where we'll have a team mom who will go ahead and sign up parents to have a team meal provided. Might be here at the school if it's uh, – before at a home game or if it's uh we're heading over to kennedy high school or we're heading over to east lynn we would have a family that would provide that meal at their place it was a great way to get into the homes and for them to see what our kids are like off the basketball court and it's been one very successful thing and then we do a retreat we've always done that too at the start of the year where we try to get away for two days or three days maybe at the beach or somewhere that we can get and maybe order Sun River if somebody has a place or uh, just whatever. I think it's real good to, to just have that time together. It doesn't mean it works out every year because sports sometimes overlap. But uh, if we can do that, I think it's huge. Yeah. And we love doing the Bunko game at our home. Mm. So kids, kids love that game. They really get into it. I like it. I like it. Uh, Coach, I usually ask uh, favorite drill, but you've talked about that a little bit. It's three on two continuous. You call it pioneer drill. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. you guys, you press out of it also? Yeah, we do. 
Yeah, we do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, there's two teams on each side at half court. Three guys start off going against two, and once the ball crosses half court, then that third person can come on in. And uh, so make or miss, we want to be right into our, our Reggie. We want to be into our man-to-man run and jump. So we're trying to create three things. We're trying to get them to get into a speed dribble, trying to get them to turn their back uh, as far as, you know, cutting them off, making sure that they turn uh, so we can get that surprise element of a run and jump. And then uh, a lot of times, too, it just really gives the kids a good idea of uh, how hard we want to play as soon as that ball is turned over or as soon as that ball goes through the hole uh, that we can instantly get right into our Reggie. So it's a lot of fun. It's a great, great drill. And they can only play that till half court and they hustle back and it just uh, continues that way. So it's a great three on two, the three on three continuous. It's been one of our best drills. uh, And it becomes extremely competitive. A lot of times too, I'll I'll put the JV and varsity out there uh, to and split them up. So it's not just varsity against JV. It's splitting up varsity, varsity, JV, JV. And uh, it just gets really good. And I'll tell you, sometimes my coaches even get out there too. They love love Mm, that drill. I like it. Yeah. So it's been really, really good. And I started, like, again with my my daughter's team way back. You know, one of the highlights we had when we were with my daughter's team was we ended up beating an Oregon City team who hadn't lost in three years. And I was coaching them. They were just little seventh and eighth graders. We played them at the Beaverton tournament, and they just beat us that Saturday by about 27. And I had a little talk with them about how we needed to beat the press. This is how we got to handle this press. And I tell you, the girls did it to perfection. And we ended up beating them by one. I remember the uh, the guy running the tournament at Beaverton comes, and he goes, Coach, 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 do you – do, do, do you know who you just beat? And I said, well, I do, <laughs> but you might want to tell them. And uh, <laughs> girls, you just beat a team that was a loss in three years. And it was pretty cool. And we had parents from Oregon City come up. Your kids played so well. Most kids, after getting beat like you did yesterday, would have just got, you know, would would have probably tanked. But I tell you, I just thought, what a great challenge. My daughter and plays down there at the Masters. We got a young lady that plays for UC Davis. Still count that as one of their greatest wins ever yeah. of, all, of all the games they played. The state title was pretty good. They had that, but they said beating yeah. that was pretty special. Yeah. Those are two good ones. Yeah. Coach, I want to ask, uh, last question is, uh, you know, pressing on a miss is not something that a lot of teams do or maybe even have success with. So, do you designate someone to kind of be that presser on a miss, or you know, how do you kind of get get that yeah. done so that you're effective? You bet. You know, one of the kids we had a kid named Peyton Richardson. Uh, uh, he's now playing for Seattle Pacific University. Got a full ride up there, and so uh, you know, he's been with me since the fifth grade, and and he is just great at being at the top of that press. You know. Uh, did a great job. Boy, there's a make or miss. We've tried to get him to be up there. We really tried to have our kids in certain positions uh, as quickly as they could. So, you know, so so sometimes I do the little circle the wagon, throw the ball up, and let's see how fast you can get in those five spots. You know, could it be three seconds, two seconds? How fast could you do it? And then 
when you're playing it live with Reggie, or not Reggie, but in uh, the Pioneer Drill, it's really fun to see how quickly. But I can tell you, Peyton was probably one of the best ones at it. You know, he's about 6'2", lanky, uh, great jumper. Uh, we'll, we'll never have another kid like that that can dunk as many times as he could. Um, but, yeah, if you can, if you can, and it, and it takes practice, and that's what the Pioneer Drill for us, anyway, really helps to get those kids in those spots. And so it's a great time of coaching and seeing how far you can come a little closer, how much more pressure we need to have on the ball to get him in that speed dribble, get his head down, turn his back so we can get that element of surprise. So it's fun. It's fun. And kids learn. Kids learn quick. They love it because, you know, boom, it's fast. It's quick. Uh, they understand. They're very good at listening. And, uh, you know, it's just, I have to say it's one of our favorite drills. Another one we do is called the Purdue drill that I really love too. So, so anytime you want to sit down, Derek, I'd love to go over them with you because they're two of our favorite drills. It's really fun. Yeah, so that's that sounds great, Coach. That that would be yeah. awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all I got for you, Coach. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. You bet, Derek. Thank you for asking, and I hope. Uh, it's been helpful, but it's sure been a pleasure, and I want to just say thanks for even asking. It's just an honor to do this, so thank you very much. If you have any follow questions or want to get a hold of Coach Hull, you can find his contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, coach him up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.